Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. Is it okay if I tell you something tonight that's not a secret? Yes. Hello? The Holy Spirit of the living God is in Charlotte, North Carolina tonight. And he's in a building on Harrisburg Road that we call Eastside Church. Amen? And he's in the heart of every believer who's here. And he's in, the, in our presence. He's here to help us minister to our God. And I think we've done that. Amen? But he's also here to work in our lives. To help us overcome fear, panic attacks, anger, marriage problems, financial problems. You know what? This is all commercial because this has got nothing. Well, it's got a little bit to do with my message. But I have a lightness in my heart tonight. I feel like I just stood here tonight and lost about 100 pounds or something. Maybe it's not just my heart. Maybe it's in my body too. But it's just, wow. You with me? Many of you have a, a, a background sheet. We'll get to that in a sec. If you don't have one, try to scoot close to somebody or we'll make you a copy later. Let me say what a blessing it is to be a part of this church family. Amen. And you know what? That's what everybody says. That's what everybody says that's a part of this church family that talks to me about Eastside Church. What a blessing for my wife and I to be here and to be able to have leadership positions and leadership simply in reaching out to people and loving people. Yes. That Jesus thing, you know, following the example of Jesus. What a blessing it is to have Joel here and he's in a leadership position, our youngest son, and to have our son-in-law Michael as the worship leader. And then tonight, my daughter, our daughter, Bethany, is leading the worship. Now, in all the years that she, <laughs> in all the years that she was in our household and I was a pastor, we never did this together. After today, we can't say we never did it that way before. What a blessing! What a blessing! Eastside, God drew us to Charlotte because of you, starting a few years ago when we would come over here from time to time on the weekend and visit and join you for worship because you treated us like we were long lost family members. The good kind. <laughs> the kind you want to spend time with. And then as we prayed about moving, God opened the door. And we are blessed of God to be with you. To be on this journey of seeing God work mightily in our lives. To see God heal people of all manner of evil, all manner of disease. To see God work in the lives of people and bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And if you're not in Jesus Christ tonight, this is what we are about. Sharing the good news, the love, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes. 
Alex, I gotta watch myself. I'm gonna be preached three or four messages before it's over with tonight. <laughs> kind of remind me of the first time I ever preached. I was 18 years old and a bunch of us were gathered together for prayer and we were about to go into the worship service and one of the guys said, Aubrey, what are you preaching about tonight? And I said, about two hours. <laughs> he said, be sure and turn the lights off when you leave. <laughs> I didn't get any respect back then either. But tonight we're talking about Jehoshaphat. Don't you love that name, Jehoshaphat? And I thought it'd be a wise thing to do a little bit of background on Jehoshaphat because maybe you're not familiar with him too very much. So if you would grab this piece of paper and we're just skimming over this, okay? You could find story about uh, some information about Jehoshaphat in, in 1 Kings, but we're sticking to 2 Chronicles tonight. Chapter 17, he followed his father Asa. The Lord was with him because he followed the ways of David, a man that was who? A man after God's own heart. Don't be bashful. He did not consult the balls, the idols, and he followed God's command. And he was a blessed man. Yes. Isn't that radical? He listened to God and he was a blessed man. He obeyed God. He fortified the cities of Judah. He built garrisons in Judah. He stationed troops. The Lord established the kingdom. He had great wealth and honor. His heart was devoted to the ways of the Lord. He removed the high places and the Asherah poles from the country. No worship of idols was allowed because God said no. In the third year of his reign, he sent officials and Levites to the towns of Judah, and they carried the book of the law. They didn't just go with a word from the king. They didn't just go with a word of testimony. They went with a book of the law, the Torah, and they taught people what God wanted them to hear and what the king was wanted to ensure that they would hear. And the fear of the Lord, look at that, the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the land surrounding Judah. Therefore, Judah did not come under attack. The fear of the Lord was, had fallen on the people outside of Judah, all the surrounding kingdoms. Why? The leadership was committed to following after the Lord and keeping his commands. Following David's example. And number three, the law was taught to the people purposefully, not just by accident, they didn't take a copy of their Torah that they made on their copy machine at the temple and, and go home with it, lay it under their pillow and say, oh Lord, let it sink into my skull. Thank you, Lord. It doesn't work that way, does it? Chapter 18, Jehoshaphat, allied, uh, 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 that's not even a big word. I can say Jehoshaphat, I can't say allied. Jehoshaphat allied, him, allied himself with Ahab, not a wise decision. Ahab was not a good king of Israel, which, you know, there were very few good kings of Israel and Judah after the kingdom split, after Solomon. In fact, most of them were pretty bad. They were evil. They were sinful. And, of course, Ahab was the husband of that wonderful woman, Jezebel. How many women have you ever known named Jezebel? Come on now, somebody. Jezebel was the one who, <laughs> that was enough. Je Jezebel was the woman who committed herself to killing Elijah. You know, Elijah just came off the mountaintop. All those prophets of Baal were consumed by fire around the sacrifice. They had cut themselves and pleaded to their gods all day long and nothing happened. Elijah steps up and says, Oh Lord God of heaven. Whoom! And the fire didn't just burn the sacrifice. It burned the 400 prophets of Baal too. That's where an amen goes. 
Oh, Lord. So much to teach him to do in so little time. After some time passed, Ahab asked Jehoshaphat to join him in a battle against Ramoth Gilead. Jehoshaphat agreed, but said first, seek the counsel of the Lord. Now Jehoshaphat had done well until he teamed up with Ahab. So Ahab brings together 400 prophets, none of them who was worth their weight in dirt. And they spoke favorably of the battle. Ahab calls for Micaiah for a word from the Lord because <clears throat> Jehoshaphat says there's got to be somebody else. Micaiah came. Ahab hated Micaiah because his prophecies were always against Ahab. <laughs> wow, who'd have thunk? Hmm. Micaiah agrees with the other prophets and says, go win the battle. God had another plan for Ahab. <clears throat> Ahab asked uh, Jehoshaphat to disguise himself as the king when they went into battle so that he would be safer. Well, well, well. Micaiah told Ahab, if you return safely from the battle, God has not spoken through me. <clears throat> Ahab did not get the clue. He would soon assume desert temperature. <laughs> that means he would die. An arrow got him. Even though he's trying to hide. So here's what I want you to know tonight. One of the things I want you to know tonight, the battle belongs to the Lord. Yes. Somebody say that with me. The battle belongs to the Lord. I tell people that I was never smaller. I was just younger. I've always been a big guy. And people always expect big guys to have all this strength. <laughs> not me. At least not physical strength so much. I hope my strength is in the Lord. That's where our strength comes from. Not showing what we can do. Not getting all puffed up, guys, with our testosterone and saying, I can handle it. Okay, there's a Greek word. We're going to jump from the Old Testament to the New. There's a Greek word. I can handle it. What is it, Joel? You know it? Hogwash! <laughs> I can't believe you forgot that one. That's all right. That's all right. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said the battle was over. He paid a price, the price, the full price, the total price, all the price on sin by dying on a cross. On the third day, he arose with victory over sin and death. However, someone did not get the memo. Satan. He did not get the memo. He's not come to the understanding even today that he was defeated, is defeated, and will be defeated by the power of Jesus Christ. And you know, I, I'm, you know I've even learned a lot about praying since we've been at Eastside. Dr. Joe and, and Heidi have just, it's like, man, I just want to be a big sponge and just let them pour and pour and pour and pour. And I just want to suck it all up and just, oh Lord, just fill me up with all this. That's why we speak to disease and injury and trouble and financial problems and whatever, and we command it to leave in Jesus' name. In the event that you've missed some of Pastor Alex's messages or you skipped over Ephesians 6 in your reading, 6.12 and following, 
Paul said, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. The battle belongs to the Lord. Back in the days when Osama bin Laden was in the news before he assumed desert temperature. <laughs> People were going on about him and he was a great enemy. Of what I said, no, he's not our enemy. And people would look at me cross-eyed and say, what are you talking about? I said, we have one enemy. It's the devil himself. That's our enemy. We don't have a physical enemy as Christians. We have spiritual enemies. Now, I'm not saying that it would have been a good thing to go try to find Osama bin Laden and sit down and have coffee with him. It wouldn't have been safe, maybe. And whoever's kicking around in the Middle East now, ISIS, ISIL, Pick an alphabetic name and you got it. They are not our enemies. The devil is our enemy. Him and him alone. The Lord had protected Judah from wars in the past and the people and their king Jehoshaphat had prospered because they'd walked faithfully with God. And then Jehoshaphat teamed up with Ahab. Not good. So what we have as we get into chapter 20 is that there's two groups coming at Judah and Jehoshaphat to make war. The battle that they seem seemed very much a physical battle. The Lord turned it into a spiritual battle that brought victory to the people of God. Now in those days, they might have said a spiritual battle. Preacher, what are you talking about? Isn't it just like God to turn our disappointments into a dance floor? See, war was coming. The battle was coming. Look at 2 Chronicles 20 with me, if you would, please. If you have to look it up in the, old, in, in the table of contents, don't worry about it. It's all right. 2 Chronicles 20, 1 and 2, it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, meaning the Dead Sea, from Syria, and they are Hazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. So there is a battle coming. I put before you today, ladies and gentlemen, there is a battle every day for us. If we are in tune with the Lord, if we are in abiding in the Lord, there's going to be a battle every day. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's right. Not a physical battle, not guns and, and rocket propel grenades or whatever, tanks. A spiritual battle every day. A spiritual battle for our hearts, for our time, for our minds. Now, you may say, well, preacher, I, you know, I, I don't really see that battle. I hadn't experienced that too much. We need to talk. You need to talk to your pastor. Because if you're lining up with God, you're going to fight battles. And I'm going to tell you what, there's a battle going on at my house right now. I don't mean between me and Julie. It's between Julie, myself, and the powers of darkness. And I just want to speak to you, powers of darkness, in Jesus' name. You will not win this battle. You will not win this battle. God's going to bring victory, and he's going to bring, bring himself glory. Amen. 
Now, this is not being pessimistic. Every day a battle will come at us. Not militarily, like we read in Ephesians chapter 6, those powers of darkness. Now, just as uh, Jehoshaphat and his people prepared for battle, we need to do the same thing. Every day we need to be prepared. Verse 3 through 5 says, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord and from all the cities of Judah, and they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, and we'll stop right there. Let me ask you, or let me tell you, let me remind you what we just read. Jehoshaphat's first response was, well, just praise God he's going to help us win this battle. Was it? Do this way. No, his first response was F-E-A-R. He was scared. The implication is it didn't last long, but he was scared. Do you deal with fear this evening? Anxiety, panic attacks. Have you ever struggled with these things? All right, I hope you brought your steel-toed shoes. Does God ever have fears? No. Does God ever have panic attacks? No. Then why do we choose to? Hard question. Our God does not suffer from panic attacks or fear or anxiety nor worry. He's the author of peace. Shalom. Why do we face these problems? Again, because we choose to. We find it easier to worry or to live in fear than to trust God and demonstrate faith, don't we? Come on now. Just be honest about it. It's just like a human being to look for the easy way out. But walking with God is not always the easy way out, but it's always the right way. Kingdom carriers, I knew I could work it in, kingdom carriers have either moved beyond these things of fear and panic attacks and so forth, or they're in the process. Come on now, that's Eastside Church. We're in the process, right? We're moving past this junk that so greatly weighs us down. God's already doing mighty things in this church family, and it's just going to multiply. Amen? Amen. Got to check you out once in a while to see if you're still awake. My brother has three grandsons, and the, I think it was the oldest one when he was quite young. My brother has a swimming pool with a diving board, and he would take Caleb, or actually he'd get in the water and he'd have Caleb walk out to the end of not the diving board, but the jumping board, as Caleb called it. And he would float in the water or tread water waiting on his grandson to jump off to him. And he'd say, Caleb, no fear. And Caleb would say, Papa, no fear. And after that routine went on two or three or four times, Caleb jumped in the water. I submit to you tonight that your heavenly papa is saying to you, 
Your heavenly father is saying to you tonight, no fear, my child. No fear, my son. No fear, my daughter. Then he wants us to say it back. Heavenly Papa, Abba Father, no fear. Now he's not asking us to jump off of a jumping board, but he's asking us to move forward in Jesus Christ. Having taught middle school and high school for a number of years now, we've been through a lot of drills. Fire drills, tornado drills, whatever drills. And I've had students, especially the younger ones, want to panic when they hear the alarm go off, the buzzer, or whatever rings. And I tell them at other times, after, you know, after it's all settled down, I say, now look, when we have a fire drill, tornado drill, or if we have the real thing, here's what I want you to remember. If I panic, you panic. <laughs> if I don't panic, you don't panic. And I'm not going to panic. Sometimes we go through fire drills in our lives, don't we? And tornado drills. And the Father is saying, if I don't panic, you don't panic. Oh, man. Because my Father's not going to panic. And your Father's not going to panic. In Jesus' name. So if we ever see God panic, then it's time for us to panic. I got news for you. It ain't happening. In recent months, we've seen some of our brothers and sisters face overwhelming obstacles, illness, and whatnot. And we've seen him stand firm in the strength of the Lord. And he has given victory. Can we praise God tonight for his deliverance and power in our lives, for the victories that he's given us? Can we praise God for that? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for that. Now, as I said a while ago, Jehoshaphat's fear lasted only a short time, I think. But remember this. Somebody has written that there are 365 times in the Bible where it says, you should fear every day. Did I read that wrong? 365 times in the Bible it says, do not fear. 365. How many days are in a year? Oh, 365. I wonder if that's just one of those coinky dinks. <laughs> I don't think so. Maybe there's a purpose for behind that, you think? So Jehaziel, later in, ver in verse 17, tells Je Jehoshaphat and the people not to fear. Well, the next thing that uh, Jehoshaphat did is he sought the Lord. Now, the V8 people used to have a commercial years ago, and then they re put it back on television again. I drank a Coke. I drank orange juice. I drank whatever. Oh, I could have had a V8. <laughs> and for us, it's like, I should have prayed. Yes. Now, I, yeah, wait a minute. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. That's got nothing to do with anybody here. There's nobody who's ever faced a problem and then run off to deal with it and then thought later, <laughs> I should have prayed. That's for some other church, right? Come on now, we're all guilty of that, I would think, at some point or another. We ran off half-caught rather than praying first. So he sought the Lord. He proclaimed a fast. I remind you that the king of Nineveh, when Jonah finally got to town, getting past some of his issues, the king of Nineveh, Nineveh 
proclaimed a fast upon hearing this word from Jonah that God is fishing to uh, kick butt and take names in this land. That's the loose Cochrane translation, by the way. So in verse 4, we read that the people came together as one. They sought help from the Lord. They came from all over Judah to seek the Lord <coughs> together. We come together on Sundays and Wednesdays and Mondays and other times, and we seek the Lord. And he can be found, can he? He will be found. So Jehoshaphat led the people in prayer as they stood before the temple, verse 6 and following, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven, and do you not rule over all the kingdoms and nations? In your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwelt in it and, you, and have built. And they dwelt in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If a disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear, and you will save. <coughs> have you ever thought that if we don't expect God to do something, we shouldn't pray? Why in the world would you pray for somebody to be healed if you didn't expect God to work? Come on now. Come on. We need to expect God to work because his word tells us that he will. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given to us to inherit. God's people own the land of Israel and Judah. Make no mistake about it. Oh, our God, verse 12, you will, not will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon, are upon you. First, a rhetorical question. Are you not the God of heaven? They're praising God. Jehoshaphat is, is praising God, recalling past victories that God has led his people to. If calamity comes, we're going to stand before the temple and we're going to cry out to you so you'll hear us and save us. A prayer of confidence, ladies and gentlemen, expecting God to work. Yes. Verse 12, we are powerless. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. You know, when we go and do the prayer walks for the Love Life Charlotte thing, it's, God really has to reel me in. Because I have a hard time keeping my mouth shut. Now, I don't want to fight with anybody. I just want to speak to them and say, you know, you need Jesus. <laughs> so the Lord gave me wisdom enough the first time and the second time when we were passing the first time, especially in December, when there was a bunch of them, passing the naysayers to go like this. 
keep my eyes down and not make eye contact with them. But I wanted to do something. See, I want to work in my power too often instead of letting God be the one that's in charge. And the way that we're fighting abortion is not militantly, not by waving signs, but by prayer. Yes. Yes. Have we faced problems not knowing what to do? Have we decided to deal with the problems on our own or have we turned immediately to prayer and to scripture? God, in, in the next several verses, speaks through the prophet, and he says that there will be victory. No fear, no discouragement. The battle is not yours. God spoke to Zechariah in chapter 4, verse 6, a word through Zechariah, a word from Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. The battle belongs to the Lord. Often we have to take a stand, but we are not unarmed. We are powerful against everything that stands in our way because of Jesus and the Spirit's works in our lives. Now we have the opportunity to go in the opposite direction and not bless God. Some of you who are of a certain age will remember this song probably. If you don't, it's all right. It fits anyway. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. <laughs> Deep, dark depression. Excessive misery. If it wasn't for bad luck, I've ha I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. That's how we do sometimes. But that's not what God wants us to do. Joel? No matter if there's no food to eat, there's no animals in the stalls, the whole world is falling in on us, calamity, I will praise the Lord my God. Yes. We're going to get cranked up here in just a minute. It's going to be time to go. <laughs> Habakkuk, chapter 3. So the, the word from the prophet was, tomorrow march against the enemy. You'll not have to fight this battle. Take your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance of the Lord. No fear, no discouragement. Face the enemy and the Lord will be with you. Maybe how we need to interpret this for us is that our positions that we need to take are on our knees or on our faces, lifting up God, yeah. praying to God and saying, oh Lord, this abortion thing has got to go. Or cancer has got to go. Or diabetes has got to go. Or depression has got to go. In Jesus' name. Now again, I remind you that they were expecting this to be a physical battle. The armies are coming. Here comes a battle. It's coming to us. But it didn't turn out quite that way. Verses 18 and 19. And, and Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the war, Lord, worshiping the Lord. Times of trouble come, and they're worshiping the Lord, and they're praying. Amen. Then the Levites of the children 
of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korahites, don't you glad I didn't ask you to read this, uh, uh, stood, up again, stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they're going off to battle, not with a battle shout or, uh, like they did at Jericho, but they're going out praising God. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. 21 says, And when he consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness. For some reason, my chill bumps are getting chill bumps. Praise him for the beauty of his holiness. What do you mean, Jehoshaphat? There's two armies coming at us. Praise God for the beauty of his holiness. Right. Yeah. Mercy seat. And so they went out before the, the army of Judah singing, Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Yeah. Whew. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah and they were defeated. The Lord set ambushes and what did they do? They started fighting each other and the result was they killed each other. Yeah. All of them. How many people did the army of Judah have to fight? Zero. See, the physical became a spiritual battle because it, Jehoshaphat lined up with God and that spiritual battle was won without having to fight. And there was so much plunder, gold, swords, spears, whatever that was there, it took them three days to gather it all up. And then they came back on the fourth day. They came to the area of the temple they fell on their faces and they worshiped. Again, some Levites were led of the Lord to worship after they had won this battle that they didn't even fight. All the enemy soldiers had been killed. They gathered together to worship as they come back into Judah with the other people around the, around Jeru, around the temple. And the fear of God came upon the surrounding kingdoms again. So what can we take away from tonight? We must praise our God and seek him in prayer and study his word. Now, Alex has beat this dead horse, slammed to death. And he needs to keep beating it. Because we got Christians in this world today who are leading lives, not in victory, but in defeat. I think God wants us to live in the victory. Amen? Amen. So until everybody in our church family is in the word and in prayer, he needs to keep beating that horse. Our only real enemy is Satan who was defeated at the cross. Yes. Just remember, he didn't get the memo. He is defeated. He has no authority. Don't you think that the devil himself has any authority over you? He has none. The devil can't make you do it thing. Why do we sin? Because we choose to. Let's just be honest about it. We must stand firm when facing physical problems. Many of these have a spiritual, spiritual basis. 
You just don't know how far I've come in my understanding of this since August. Many of our physical issues have a spiritual background or basis to them. Now, I'm not saying everybody's got a demon. No, I'm not saying that. But the demons are out there. Again, they have no authority over us. But we allow them sometimes, don't we? We open the doorway sometimes. The battle does not belong to us. The battle is the Lord's. Now, when Jehoshaphat and his people came back from the battle, they didn't have to fight. They did what we should do. They praised their God for bringing the victory. That's an everyday thing. Start the day with praise and worship and prayer and studying the word and end it the same way. One more thing and I'm done. There's a certain young lady in this room tonight who when she was about 15 was riding down the road in the car with me. And she said to me, Daddy, I'm so much like you, it's scary. I went to repenting. Lord, it wasn't supposed to turn out that way. She's supposed to be like Julie. But you know, the Lord brought that to, to mind this week. And right after I thought of that, he gave me this. What if we modify what Bethany said and talk about our heavenly daddy? Would to God that we could say to him, and I think we can, and we're, or we're in that process, it says, Daddy, I'm so much like you. You've made me so much like you, and it's wonderful. Woo! There goes those chill bumps again. Let's bow together. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.